Apostle Paul challenged believers to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And he drove this point home in Ephesians chapter 4 when he said, There is one body. We're going to pursue one vision together. When the church is unified, the mission is maximized. We are one. Good morning, good morning. You guys are looking great. I would love to spend multiple, like three, four minutes talking about how much I love you and all. We don't have time for that today, all right? We don't have time. I've gone like seven minutes too long in the first one, nine minutes too long in the second one. If that trend continues, we'll be here till two, all right? So work with me. You got to lean in and get ready. Go and turn in, turn on your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is where we'll primarily be um, this morning. And as you turn, let me just remind you, this is uh, the kind of the midpoint checkpoint for one initiative. It's a two-year initiative that we've been walking through. And so we want to celebrate what God has done, and uh, we want to look ahead to what God is doing. Some pretty major announcements I'm going to share with you in the next 30 minutes. On the way out, you're going to miss something because it's going to be way too fast. It's going to be like a machine gun today, and so there's going to be a lot of rapid fire on the way out, grab a publication, it's just like a cheat sheet, um, that was going to give you a lot of the detail of what we're praying for and the announcements we're making, renderings of facilities, all that kind of stuff. But this initiative kind of started with the whole idea of, man, we're unified. Even though we have five campuses, we had just gone 12 months ago from three to five campuses even during a global pandemic, God grew our church. It was crazy. That's not normal. And in the middle of that, we just said, hey, what? We feel like God is kind of speaking to us to, to really come together, make sure that we're unified. But I'm going to go ahead and kind of give you the, the, the I guess, the, the abbreviated summary of the whole thing. I think that's why God's blessing our church anyway, is that we're already unified. We're already one church. But there are definitely areas of uh, a need for reminding of our commitment to unity and oneness and in some ways explanation for some of the things that we're doing. And, uh, and so with all of that in mind, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul speaks directly to the church at Rome and he says, I appeal to you. Now, your translation may say, I beseech you or I beg of you. Either way, Paul's saying, listen to me. I'm gonna, I want to shake some sense into you, you know. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, your translation might say your reasonable service. It's a reasonable expectation for God to expect that we're going to present ourselves as living sacrifices. We are not dead sacrifices, Old Testament sacrifice. They'd put an animal on the altar and it would die, right? Well, here's the thing. We're actually, we've died and we've been buried with Christ and we've risen from the grave and literally been given a new life with Christ. And this is why we're not a dead sacrifice. We're a living sacrifice. And look, the fact is, there should be no dead Christian churches in America, right? If there's any place you ought to be able to shout the house down and thank, you know, and, and celebrate and, and, and cheer, is, it's, 
It's in the church because, man, we're celebrating eternal life and forgiveness of our sins. We're not celebrating a touchdown, right? That's true. Look, we're not celebrating a, a, a raise on your paycheck. We're celebrating life in Jesus Christ. We're celebrating having stepped from darkness to life, light, and death to life. And so with all that, look, I think so many times we, we lose sight. God's called us to be a living sacrifice. He's not called you to live for yourself. He's called you to live for him. And if you're not living for him, you're not living the life he's called you to live. And so with all of that, it kind of sets the stage for this whole idea of one. We're calling our church together to be reminded of our individual imperative of dying to ourselves and living for Jesus as a living sacrifice. And as we individually do that, and we come together collectively as a unified body of believers, God will do unimaginable things. And I think that's what we've already seen. And the reason why is because when the church is unified, the mission is maximized. It's no accident that we are going to celebrate things God has done in the last 12 months. It's not an accident that God uses people who are unlikely to be used. And you may say, well, thanks a lot, Wayne. I'm talking about me too, though. The fact is, there's nothing special about me, all right? There's nothing special about you in the sense that God is using us. And, and so we're not being used because we're awesome. We're not being used because we're exceptionally gifted. You're being used because you have surrendered yourself as a living sacrifice. Now, here's the thing. Not everybody in here, and we'll get to that in a minute, all right? Not everybody in here is equally surrendered, but I do think something has happened in our church. We've collectively surrendered to the will of God, and we're seeing God bless our church in exceptional ways. Romans chapter 12, verse 5, Paul says, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And so in our context, we are individually many individuals, but we're collectively one body. Uh, in, in the context of our actual church as a whole, we are multiple campuses that are one body uh, in Christ as one church. And so if you're a guest today, you're going to hear an awful lot of information to, to find out if, if you share our mission and vision for a church. Because we, we are one church and everything that we do, we are one. Even though we have a, a live preacher at every campus, a campus pastor preaches there we don't do video venues and all of that even though but we're one church i'm i'm the lead pastor of, of all the campuses and when dallas comes here when will comes here when dustin ashley uh come here they're all uh, a, a pastor of our church we are one church a plurality of pastors we've tried to decentralize anything that usually gets in the way in churches and so with that here's the thing we all have to become less. We all have to put ourselves on a shelf if we desire for God to continue to use us. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. In our case, that is absolutely true. I'm going to give you some, some examples then of how we celebrate together what God is doing in our church. Pat mentioned getting to know you, how we had over 100 at last getting to know you. We've had 637 new members Join our church in the last 12 months. But don't, don't even, I know you want to you clap real quick. Listen, I don't have time to free to clap, all right? In addition to that, 181 people 
have been saved and baptized. Now, you can praise God for that. All right, go ahead. Yeah. And here's what's crazy. You might say, oh, y'all just had some good months, right? Next Sunday, all right, next Sunday, 20 more people coming to be baptized. 20 more. Yeah, praise God. It's crazy stuff, man. And so you can't, you can't just like manufacture or manipulate stuff. If, 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 look, we were having to work it up. I don't want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of a church where God's doing something that's unimaginable. It's unexplainable. I want people, to, I really do. You may say, this is crazy. I want people to look and say, how in the world did that guy become the pastor of this church? <laughs> I want it to be like, God's got to be working. That dude ain't nothing, man, you know? I, because here's the deal. I, want, I know I'd, if I can attract you to join this church, you're here for the wrong reason anyway. I want you to be here because God's working, man. I want you to be here because God is leading us and that he's saving people, that lives are being changed. Not that you've grown attached to some religious emotional feeling or some heritage in your family. Man, you could be committed to religious heritage in your family and bust hell wide open. It's not about a heritage in your family. It is about a Savior who bled and died for you on a cross. And so with that, that's what we're about. All right? We're about the truth of God's word. We're not about trying to make a celebrity out of anybody. We're not trying to, to promote anything except the, the, the fame of Jesus Christ and who he is. So, so 2022 has been an exceptional year. God is blessed. I, I know anytime you talk about numbers, there are people who get all worked up and say, oh, I just don't like numbers. Here's what I'd say. Man, do you love souls? Because that's what we're talking about. Every number is a soul. Everybody will spend eternity somewhere. Every person on your street in your neighborhood is either going to heaven or hell. Everyone will spend eternity somewhere. Every number matters. So we're not celebrating a number. We're celebrating the, the, the God who is saving people and working to the glory of God. And so with all of that, we, we celebrate as one church all the guys are doing. First Corinthians chapter 12, it'll be on the screens. You can turn there if you'd like to. I won't be there long. It's a very paralleled, compatible uh, passage with Romans 12. So you got Romans 12, we began to read a minute ago. 1 Corinthians 12 is very similar. In verse 24, Paul says, God has so composed the body, speaking of the church, he so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division. Would you say those two words with me? No division. There may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member's honored, all rejoice together. If you continue reading on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, many of you know it, very, very familiar with it. And you know that it talks about different parts of the body. It's like, and I can't say to an arm, I don't need you because we're all part. You know what? One thing I think Paul forgot though, there's no mention of a backside in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Amen. And I have met several Baptist backsides. Amen. <laughs> if you're not laughing, you're probably one of them. Amen. That's all. I'm just telling you. All right. Because you probably, you're not. I ain't never met anybody. I just categorize it. That's just not very spiritual. And I believe you, yep, you, you just proved my point. All right. So here's the truth. The truth is we, we got a lot of different parts of the body. And, and so many times, here's part of what makes churches bad. Here's what makes churches divided. Here's what makes churches not grow is when we try to make everybody the same. It's when we try to force everybody to be just like everybody else. And so we become uniform. That's not unity. Unity is unity and diversity to the glory of God. So the beauty of what has happened here 
is not only are we now going to be expanding in 2022, 23, to a sixth geographical location. And so we've got the challenge of being unified across campuses. We have services downtown and at other campuses. We have three styles of worship downtown. We have multiple generations. It is a miracle of God that we're unified. And if it was because we're dependent on the preacher to bring us together, we're dependent on the the deacons to bring us together, we would be divided, man. Because it's a God thing. It's a God thing that brings us together. And so we never want to forget that. Now, one major component of the One Initiative has been the strengthening of all campuses, including the facilities needs. That was stated up front. So back in January when we started this One Initiative, uh, we talked about, man, there, there are campuses that are growing like crazy. We've got to figure out how to stabilize and secure all the campuses. I've got to blow through this quickly, all right? So if you see stuff on the screen, you might want to read it because I'm not going to say all of it. Five Forks started with zero four years ago. They had no people in the core group. Dustin and Sloan came to our church, joined our church, and said yes to a mission with zero in a core group. It was just them, their family. Today, they're averaging over 300 at Five Forks in two services. That's amazing. Now, here's the thing. They've got room to grow into three services, so they have room to grow. We've been searching for solutions for permanent location. Not, not happening yet. God keeps closing doors. But here's what we know. God's going to open a door eventually. We have three to four years to, to secure permanent location. You're going to see pictures of them in a worship service, packed out. Uh, that's, that's usually both services now. So they're going to soon go to three. And then the next picture is uh, uh, our student ministry. Uh, we've recently secured the lobby of the doctor's office that is beside us, all right? So we're having a small group meeting inside the doctor's office lobby. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? And so I think it's awesome. That's fantastic. And, uh, and so we're doing everything we can to maximize that space. And so we praise God for what God is doing at uh, Five Forks. Anderson and Malden both launched 12 months ago. Anderson is, is an anomaly in some sense. It's, it, we, we planted it as a seed and a sending campus. It was our very intentional approach to planting Anderson. Seed as in it's a seed campus for a future cluster. 45 minutes away. So our prayer is that it grows into a strong campus and is able to plant additional campuses. In addition to that, though, it's a sending campus. So a lot of our praise uh, teams and, and bands and all of that come out of that campus because we're reaching people from Clemson and Anderson. Um, and, and so pray for a permanent location. Pray for a church merger that God would really work in that and, and open up doors because we're in desperate need of that because look this is an example over 200 folks worship in Anderson at the Hilton Garden Inn ballroom on Sunday morning and that's that's tough I say, you know up to tear tear down set up tear down set up and so we're hoping and praying for a permanent location eventually and I'm praying look I think there's people in this room listen I'm praying for young couples I'm praying for some young families to go and say I'll give 12 months to plant my life at Anderson campus you may say, why? 95% of that campus is college students at Clemson and Anderson University. That's fantastic. But they're broke as a joke, amen? They're broke as a joke. And so, uh, and so here's the deal. We've got to pay the light bill, all right? So here's part of it. Part of you may say, well, why do you need people to go out there? Because we, we really need some families there so that when young families with children and middle-aged families come to visit, they see people kind of like them. 
Now, me and Amy, we're young in spirit. We could go and be, be fine. Some people just go in and say, well, there ain't nobody like me. I'm not hanging out. And so I'm legitimately, I'm, 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 you may say, well, this is pretty, you're not talking to me. You're talking, no, I'm talking to you. I'm really praying. And I mean, if we had five or 10 families that would say, I'm going 12 months. I mean, we've got a, we've got a, a staff member devoted to kids out there who would love your kids, all right? And so I'm, I'm challenging you to pray about that. A 45-minute drive. It sits right on I-85, Hilton Garden Inn. Check it out, ballroom. It'd be awesome. You would immediately become a leader at that campus if you love Jesus, all right? And so that's a, that's a big uh, request from me on that part. Second campus, a uh, third campus, is actually Malden. They launched the same time as Anderson. And when we launched the Malden campus, we did an awful lot of facilities improvements there up front because it is a permanent location. New Hope Baptist Church merged with us. So we did an awful lot of renovations on that facility. And then uh, most recently, we renovated the, the uh, Family Life Center floor. It's beautiful. So that gymnasium now is as good as the one downtown. We're going to be able to expand our recreation ministry into multiple locations. Ashley's doing a great job, just like Will is and Anderson. Um, Ashley, actually, they have grown from about an average of 135, 140 before summer through the summer, they grew, and they're running about 175 or so out there in Malden. So God's blessing in a remarkable way. So just con- pray for continued growth and continued strengthening in uh, the Malden campus as well. Downtown, uh, man, you know we've been in the North Auditorium uh, for two weeks, and so we've been doing a lot of audiovisual lighting improvements and stuff like that. And today, although this service, we didn't have any uh, tweaks, this is definitely a day of transition, getting everything worked out. And so I'm grateful to God. We've invested a lot of resources in getting this this campus back where we've got another 12 years or so uh, on the life of all the audiovisual stuff. and, And that'll be super helpful. So we praise God for that. But the next two campuses I'm going to talk about are, are the, the most extensive in the explanation. The first is Harrison Bridge. Upstate Church Harrison Bridge, we relaunched it in 2016. That's hard to imagine. But after we relaunched it, it stayed about 150. They, they ran about 150 until four years ago when Dallas Wilson became the campus pastor at Harrison Bridge. God has used Dallas, but he's used that whole campus, that whole congregation such a, an, an amazing way. And they have grown to where they're averaging between 550 and 600 um, now every Sunday morning. And that is a blessing from God. But here's, here's what they, they're out of space. They have 200 seat sanctuary, 200 seat sanctuary. So that how, how you fit in 600 people in two? That's a good question. Yeah, that's a miracle, right? They have 150 preschool and children. So that helps offset it. They're in another area. But uh, they desperately need a new worship center, or at least expanded worship space. And so we started really researching how to do that, what to do. And so when we got to the One Initiative, we really started getting aggressive. And and so today's the official announcement. We are officially building a new worship center at Upstate Church Harrison Bridge. The the groundbreaking is in January. And by the spring of next year, they will have a 350-seat sanctuary at Harrison Bridge. And I think that is awesome. Would you just praise God for that? Yeah. That's awesome. And because we're doing it the way we're doing it, if you show the next slide, there's a little lobby uh, there between the existing building and the new facility. 
And uh, so the existing facility that is their 200-seat sanctuary will now become the kids' space for the 100. Did I mention they have 150 preschool kids? Yeah. So they're, so they're going to have a kids' space. It's going to be exceptional. So we're praising God for that. They will be able to now reach an average of over, over 1,000 people uh, on that campus in the future, which is super exciting. Because uh, we're, uh, we're committed to growing out, not up. I've said this before publicly, and I'll say it again just to make sure you hold me to it. Our goal is never to build another worship center downtown, all right? We could keep growing downtown. We could have everybody come to one campus and, and say, oh, we've got to build a 5,000-seat sanctuary. That's not our goal. Our goal is to grow out, not up. And that's why we're growing out into the upstate instead of just trying to build a big empire right here in, in downtown Simpsonville. So even beyond that, we, we get into the question then of, uh, of Haywood. So Haywood is not planted yet. Laurel Baptist Church merged with us, and when they merged with us, uh, we told them 18 months till we launch a campus. That was six months ago. So we've got about a year. So with all that, we're breaking ground on some improvements to the facilities around February um, uh, of 2023, and uh, those improvements should be finished in the summer, and we will launch that campus in the fall of 2023. All of that's super exciting. This rendering shows the square part of the facility on the side. That's going to be where you enter the building and go first to a, a check-in place for kids and all of that. The kids' space is going to be renovated. And then show them the next slide. It'll be, uh, well, that, let's go to the next one and then come back to this one. Yeah. So this will be inside that lobby. You'll actually go upstairs or an elevator into the worship center. You'll enter from the back of the worship center. Go and go back to that other slide. And this will be where you're coming in. And, and it will hold, like Harrison Bridge, 350 people. So the, the major development here is that we'll have two other campuses that could average 1,000 people on them. That's huge. That gives, and this is 22 minutes away. So it's not five minutes, 10 minutes away. 22 minutes away. So then it begs the question of what in the world are we going to do? What about the campus pastor? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? When we merged with Laurel Baptist Church, Jim Phillips was the senior pastor of Laurel Baptist Church. Well, Jim has agreed to take a new role, and uh, we committed to him up front that, hey, for at least 18 months, you have a place uh, on our staff, and so we're committed even to hope and pray you have a place after that. But, but he's agreed to serve in this area of campus life minister. Now, what in the world is that? It's going to be a position for all campuses to help facilitate and lead in primarily in the areas of group life, um, connections, and member care under Dustin, Dallas, and Randy. And so, man, here's the reason why. We used to have a full-time groups person. That's all they did was groups. Now your campus pastor at Harrison Bridge does groups. We used to have a connections pastor that was full-time. All they did was connections. Now your connections pastor is also the campus pastor at Five Forks. We have done everything we could to be efficient and good stewards of God's money. And, and we have literally made everybody's position a dual role. <laughs> so you may look at the list of ministers sometimes and say, man, they got a lot of pastors in this church. Man, they're doing a lot of stuff, all right? They're, we're maximizing the resources that God has entrusted to us to make sure we're doing all we can with what he's given to us. And so that's Jim Phillips. He's going to be used uh, to kind of double up and help uh, spread those ministries around to other campuses. The next announcement is probably going to be surprising to some of you. I mean, this is Dallas Wilson. So Dallas Wilson has agreed to become the planting campus pastor at Upstate Church Haywood. Now, here's why that's a big deal. It's a big deal for multiple reasons. But, man, you talk about a guy who's grown a campus from 150 to 600, and, and when we went to him, 
about four or five months ago, the leadership really uh, believed that God was in this, and, and, but we made it his choice. And we said, man, you guys pray about this, you and Jenna. And uh, Dallas and Jenna prayed about it, and they, they believe God is leading them to be the planters there at Haywood campus. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin praying. You may say, well, you just asked five to ten of us to go to Anderson. I'm asking for a lot more than five or ten of you to go to Haywood. All right? If you're a visitor, you're like, you mean my first day and he's asking me to leave? Maybe. 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 Because we're ascending. We have ascending culture. We believe that God is growing us out, not up. And if you're at Haywood, you're still part of this church. All right? So I really am praying. I believe a hundred people downtown. That's aggressive. I believe at least 100 people downtown will go to Haywood. I'm hoping and praying. And so be praying about that. And uh, we believe uh, some will go from Harrison Bridge, maybe 100 of Harrison Bridge. And so we're hoping to launch that campus with a core group of 250. So be praying with us on that. It's uh, big news. So what about Harrison Bridge? Pat Gillen has agreed to become the interim campus pastor at Harrison Bridge. And so for a season of transition... Uh, Pat brings an awful lot of stability. He's a very familiar face and leader. He preaches out there often. They know him. And so I think Harrison Bridge will find a lot of stability through that transition. Here's our hope and our prayer, that we're hiring a new campus pastor to lead them into that new facility in the spring of 2023. That is an aggressive plan, but we think it's super exciting what God has for our church. Hey, so that's a lot of information. Would you just praise God for all that information real quick? Yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, we have, we have 15 minutes, including the closing song. You gotta listen fast. Lean, lean in with me, all right? As we look again, continue to walk through Romans chapter 12, because with all that information, here's the question I feel like that is a natural question to ask after that. How can we make sure this keeps happening? How can we make sure? This is not an accident that we've grown and reached the, the, the largest amount of people we've ever reached in the middle of a global pandemic, coming out of a global pandemic. Churches are struggling. I mean, how in the world? How can we hope that God would continue to do this? I really do not think it's an accident, all right? I do think it's supernatural, but I think it's because God is using your surrender. We talked about Romans 12, 1. You've sacrificed yourselves, and it leads us into Romans 12, 2. Look with me in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. How do I know what the will of God is? Man, honestly, most people miss the will of God because they miss the transformation of their heart and their life because they're not being renewed in their mind. They're so, and let me just say, sometimes we're so full of ourselves we can't be filled with the Holy Spirit. So how can I make sure that God keeps using us? How can we make sure that God keeps working in our midst? We better make sure that we remember a radical transformation is a prerequisite to divine direction. The minute that we stop allowing God to change us, the minute we, we get comfortable in our complacency, the minute that we start thinking that we're the priority and we become a consumer Christian, that's the minute when God will stop using us. That's when God will stop working. That's when people will stop being saved. That's when people will stop being attracted to what God is doing in and through you at Upstate Church. 
And so Paul makes it clear, this can only happen by the renewal of our minds. We've got to die daily to the way we naturally think. We naturally think selfish, greedy, prideful. We, we naturally think what pleases me. We naturally think what makes me comfortable. We naturally think consumer, not servant. So if we give ourselves over to our natural thinking, we're not going to be used by God. So why has God been using you? I believe it's because you've been renewed in your mind. You've been living a sacrifice out loud for him. Here's the fact. You can't think like Jesus as long as you think primarily of yourself. And the reason God doesn't use many churches is because the people in those churches cannot get over themselves. Or the pastor in those churches can't get over himself. Verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members... And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. We are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So what are the three essentials? Real quickly, three essentials to unity mentioned here in Romans 12. I'm going to give them to you fast. Listen, the first thing, I believe this is why God has blessed and why God will continue to bless. Missional unity dem demands mutual surrender of self. If God's going to use us, we've got to keep surrendering ourselves. Verse 3, I say to everyone among you, don't think of himself more highly than he ought to think. This is so contrary to the natural way of thinking. We naturally want to think of ourselves. And that doesn't just mean congregation, doesn't just mean deacons, it means pastor. Look, we've got to stop thinking of ourselves lay our bodies on the altar as a living sacrifice to God. Why is God using First Baptist Simpson of Upstate Church? Part of the answer is mutual surrender. Everyone surrendering themselves for the cause of Christ. And this will be an essential moving forward if we desire to see God work. So if you're, if you're our guest and, and you expect a Baptist church to be filled with arguing and fighting, I'm sorry to disappoint you. We are not that church, all right? Missional unity demands mutual surrender of self. Second, mutual unity will only happen by God's grace. If you hear nothing else today, you need to hear this. There is nothing special about these guys or me. The only reason that we see what is happening in our church is because of the grace of God. God is moving. God is working. Verse 6 says, having gifts that differ according to the grace of given to us. And so we see that all the gifts we have, all the resources we have, are just gifts of grace. These are gifts that God has given to us by his grace. So God's work in us is always by his grace. But it's easy to forget the obvious. This church is unified around one undeniable truth. God alone can do this. And if we look around and we start thinking that it's all because we're doing something great, then we've missed not just the point, we've missed the Savior. This couldn't happen without God. And we live in a day where it's really tempting, and I don't want to offend any of them because I love them, they're all my friends. We live in a day where it's tempting for pastors and church people to say something silly, 
I'll say foolish, as to say, well, if, man, if they're reaching that many people, they can't be doing something right, you know? Got to be doing something wrong. You got to water down the gospel to reach lost people nowadays. Are you kidding me? I mean, what Bible are you reading? You know what, what the Word of God says? Is that His Word will not return void. And I think part of the issue in our day is that Christians are not surrendered to the will of God. I mean, we're, we have churches filled with people who are so full of themselves. And look, we're no different. Let me make sure I say we're no better. Remember, nothing special about me, nothing special about you. The only thing that, that separates us right now, and let me say very clearly, in this season, what is separating us right now is that we're over ourselves. God forbid that we take ourselves off of the shelf where we belong. We need to die to ourselves and stay dead to ourselves and continue to put him first and not argue about the color of the carpet. Not argue about who made this decision or who made that decision. Thank God that we have people who are more spiritually mature than allow little differences to divide us. And that's what's happened, all right? That's, if you want to know the secret, we're getting out of God's way, all right? We're just getting out of God's way and we're unified as one body for the glory of God. That's what it's all about. We acknowledge and embrace a divine diversity. Notice he said, having gifts that differ according to the grace that was given to you. And so we have diversity. We, we don't just have diversity of opinions. We don't just have diversity of style. We're, this campus alone, three styles, it's crazy. But we have differences of generations. Most churches pick a generation. We're a smorgasbord of generations, man. I mean, I just preached to a, to a service predominantly senior adults. And now I'm preaching to a service that's predominantly not senior adults. It's, it's a rare thing that we actually can come together and, and all of you, under the banner of the cross of Jesus Christ, put your preferences to the side and love Jesus enough to get over yourself. And be a part of a church that doesn't just represent your generation. But we represent the cause of Christ. Not only in this generation. But the generation to come. See that's what the church is about. And that is why most churches are dying or dead already. Is because they haven't been willing to make that decision. So it's all by the grace of God. We're too late. we got to hurry. Missional unity demands mutual surrender of self. It will only happen by the grace of God. And then finally, missional unity requires collective stewardship. It requires all of us. Now here's where it gets tough. Because here's the truth. Not all of us are equally surrendered. Every church, I think this is absolutely accurate, every church possesses gifts and resources to do what God's called it to do. So if a church is not accomplishing the mission of God, I do believe it's because they're, they're not surrendered. They're not, they're not completely surrendered to the will of God. If they're not accomplishing the mission that he's called them to. Whatever that mission looks like. And so, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I've already said this multiple times. We're not that special. God has given gifts and resources to every church. There's not a church in the upstate of South Carolina that God has not gifted and given resources to accomplish every task that he's called them to do. And the same is true here. Verse 6, Paul said, having gifts that differ 
according to the grace given to us, listen to this, let us use them. Would you say those four words with me? Let us use them. So God has given us gifts. God has given us resources to accomplish the task that he's called us to. So Wayne, why, why has God blessed our church? It's because I think you've used your gifts. You've used your resources. There's no explanation before God why we're meeting budget through a summer, right? We come out of summer and we're meeting a budget that we increased by, I think it was like 18%, 15% increase year over year this year. How does that happen? It's when the people of God get unified behind a mission of God and decide the mission's more important than maintenance, that lost people matter more to them than getting their way. The purpose of God is more important than their preferences. This is when God works. When people just stop putting themselves first. And they collectively become good stewards of the gifts and the resources that God has given to them. Let us use them. But before we get too comfortable, not everyone in here is a good steward. And I know you may say, well, that hurts my feelings. It does mine too. Because the truth of the matter is none of us are perfect stewards. We make mistakes. Depending on what day of the week is, you've made mistakes and you've not been a good steward with all that God's given to you. But there's some in here that aren't carrying their weight. There's some watching at home who are not good stewards. There's some in this room who come every Sunday who are not good stewards of the gifts and the resources that God has given to them. Let me give you some examples. We should never have a shortage of small group leaders in this church. It, it literally grieved me a couple weeks back when Dallas came to me and was like, man, we got, we got such a need, man. So many new people coming into the church and I, I just can't find somebody willing to teach these new classes. We don't have a lack of teachers. Y'all all right today? We do not have a lack of people capable of picking up the Word of God and teaching it to a small group. You're here. We should never have a lack of small group leaders. We should never have a lack of or a shortage of host team people willing to hold a door and smile and love people as they come to worship the King of Kings. We should never have a lack of preschool workers willing to hold a baby while their parents come in here and maybe hear the gospel and get saved. We should never have a lack of people who love Jesus enough to change diapers between worship and small group. Three hours on a Sunday morning? Man, are you gifted? Are you breathing? I mean, literally, I mean, a lot of it comes down to how much we really think the sacrifice that Jesus on the cross made for us has value to change our lives. The truth of the matter is there's no lack of singers. There's no lack of production team members. There's no lack of, look, you've got gifts you ain't telling nobody about because you're afraid. <laughs> if I tell people I can sing, if I tell people I, I'm technologically savvy, they might put me on a camera. They might, man, we don't have a lack of people. 3,000 people in this church. We don't have a lack of gifts. We don't have a lack of resources. Heard old preacher say one time, we don't have a lack of money. The problem is, it's still in your wallet. 
A lot of truth to that. I do think we don't have a lack of gifts. Some of you are just sitting on them. God forbid, as we stand before Jesus one day and he asks us like he did the parable of the talents, right? You remember? They all were given different amounts of talents. This one dude took his talent and he went and dug a hole and he put the talent in the ground and just kept it there. Let me just ask you, man, how many of y'all are burying the gifts and the resources God has for you? And I just want to ask you a really conf- confrontational question. How can you live with that, man? How can you live with the fact that God could be using you and you're choosing to spend your life on you instead of Him? And that's rough. That's rough. It's not a question of can God use you. That is not a question. It's not a question of has God called you to use your gifts and resources. How much are you willing to give Him? You may say, well, this doesn't sound like unity, Wayne. But it is. Because see, where we've been, God has just used the oneness. But where we're going requires us all. Not just some, all of us to get on board and be living sacrifices. Giving ourselves completely to his mission for his glory. Man, I'm gonna pray for you. Lord, I know it's a tough word this morning. Lord, I know that uh, some people need to pick up a connection card today, God. <laughs> they need to fill it out. They need, to, they need to go ahead and just say, you know, sign me up, wherever that is, use me. Some people need to go online this afternoon and, and just click that serve button and, and, and be used. God, I know you want to use us all. But Lord, right now, would you just speak to us? Convict our hearts. I, I don't, there's no way I can run from this. God, I hope you don't let anybody leave this place without just coming down heavy on us with conviction. That we would make the most of that which you've given to us. That we would be found faithful as we are one. That you'd keep using us for your glory. Do more through us than you could ever possibly imagine. Lord, use us to reach the upstate, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me?